Hey there, and welcome to Greenflower Nation, a show to explore and understand the impact cannabis is having on our society today. I'm your host, Max Simon, the CEO of Greenflower, who's the leader in cannabis education, and I'm a cannabis patient myself. On today's episode, we're exploring a topic that's very near and dear to my heart because I actually lost my father to it years ago. We're talking about cancer and what we know today about the role cannabis could play in helping people to heal and just cope with this terrible disease. Spoiler alert, it's very complicated. That said, today we'll speak with a renowned medical doctor who specializes in cannabis for cancer to look at the science and research around cannabis to date. We'll talk with a leading cannabis product innovator who's been developing customized cannabis products for cancer patients for almost 10 years. And finally, we'll speak with a cancer patient directly who's used cannabis to navigate and heal from this intensely life-challenging moment in his journey. Today's episode is very real, important, and cutting edge, so let's dive in. I can distinctly remember the moment when I got the phone call you never want to get. I just landed in Hawaii for what promised to be an amazing vacation, and I saw my dad calling on the other line. Now, just for context, my dad was an internationally recognized neurologist and mind-body medicine leader, so when I picked up the phone and he told me, Max, I have brain cancer and it's not in a good place. I'd suggest you come home immediately because I'm not going to make it through this one. Well, I knew it was serious. And over the next 19 months, my family went through a tremendously painful period, which ultimately led to my dad's passing. And while the science is still pretty darn early and anecdotal evidence abounds, cannabis was never once mentioned throughout the entire process. Now, almost 10 years later, cannabis is a very hot topic when it comes to cancer treatments, whether that be to help manage the symptoms that come from chemotherapy and radiation and surgery, or whether that means to actually use cannabinoid therapies as a cancer-killing treatment. Now, for better or worse, there's a lot of different perspectives on this matter, and it's not my place to say what's right and wrong. But I do want to expose you to all sides so that you can make your own opinions based on your beliefs and desires. So let's start today episode with a man who's experienced firsthand the benefits of cannabis as a cancer treatment, Mike Robbins. Mike's a multiple cancer survivor who's used potent cannabis oil treatments to bring his cancers into remission. Mike, can you tell us when you got your cancer diagnosis? I was first diagnosed with cancer in 2003. Uh, It then returned again in 2015. And what kind of cancer did you have? I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2003 and then had chemotherapy and radiation, which I didn't know comes with a 25% chance of a recurrence of secondary cancers. And how did it feel to get that diagnosis of cancer? You know, in 2003, I was scared and I did things I wouldn't do today. Six weeks into conventional therapy, I found out that cancer treatments such as chemotherapy can actually induce paralysis. And being a person that spent years in a wheelchair after a 1995 auto racing wreck, I likely wouldn't have gone that route, but uh, I did. And six weeks into that treatment, I ended up back in a wheelchair. took three years to get out of it. And at what point did cannabis come up in the discussion? Well, you know, cannabis was always there, but it wasn't there used 
properly. I, I had cannabis cards. I smoked cannabis. I inhaled cannabis, but I didn't know how to use it right. What introduced cannabis to you as a therapeutic treatment? Therapeutically, as far as ingestion, it was introduced to me by a Korean roommate who was here on a green card. And I'm telling you, without Henry, as we called him, I would have never started ingesting cannabis. Initially, I started doing so to treat severe epilepsy. You had this cancer diagnosis. You were going through these treatments. Henry introduced this as a treatment option for you. And what happened? Well, what happened was I had the 2003 cancer diagnosis, eventually went into remission. In 2008, Henry, my roommate, showed me how to use it therapeutically, how to actually ingest cannabis. And I treated epilepsy for several years. And in 2015, cancer came back with a secondary cancer of Hodgkin's lymphocytic and yet another secondary cancer of prostate. So I had three different cancers in 2015. And there was no way I was going to go back to chemotherapy and end up in a wheelchair again. So you started taking cannabis oil or what was your regimen? At the time, I was mostly inhaling to stop severe epilepsy and seizures, which I, which I did very well. I mean, it started in 2013 and it's been almost six years of having epilepsy in full control. Uh, but quickly, I had to go to ingestion. I ran a compassion program. We treated a lot of patients with free oils at the time. So I knew what I had to do. And that was ingest quite a bit of full extract cannabis oil or what people refer to as RSO. The Rick Simpson oil. And so you were taking high concentrations of THC and CBD? Correct. I was taking high amounts of THC up to 1,500 milligrams a day and adding to that 200 milligrams of CBD. So it would be two high doses of those cannabinoids. You're taking these very high doses of cannabinoids every single day. Uh, first off, I guess I should just ask, was that an uncomfortable experience to be taking that, those doses? Not at all. If you back up your THC dose with a CBD dose, it's going to mitigate some of the effects. You're not going to feel quite as medicated or high as some people state. So it didn't feel uncomfortable. It felt like I was saving my life. And so what happened? You're, you're taking these doses. How did your cancer progress from that point forward? Well, you know, I found myself in remission within about four months of starting full extract cannabis oils. But what happened was I continually slipped back into recurrences of, of the different cancers. It was very difficult to gain full remission. And part of the reason was I was paying too much attention to some online information about 60 milligrams or 60 mLs in 60 days for cancers. And I think that myth needs to be broken. Treating cancer takes much more than 60 days with cannabis oil. And so you're just taking these heavy doses for long periods of time. Cancer's kind of coming and going, if you will. And where did it end? Well, what happened was I figured out that by lack of using a maintenance dose or continual dosage after remission, you're setting yourself up for a fall. What happens is once you've obtained remission with cancers using cannabis oil, you've got to keep using it. When I stopped ingesting after getting that call of remission, I would find myself right back in a recurrence situation. So how I conquered that was to continually use cannabis oil, which works out pretty well because I had a bone metastasis in the cancer, which causes a lot of pain. So it works for pain management too. This whole time as you're going through these cancer treatments and you're taking this you know, amount of cannabis oil and you're going back and forth between remission and having spurts of cancer, what, what did your doctors think? In certain areas of California, especially uh, pocket areas, 
I had doctors give me such a hard time, they would sequester me at cancer treatment centers, literally make me sit in a waiting room for x-ray with nobody else because they didn't like me out in the main waiting room talking to other patients about my treatment. Eventually, I got reported by an oncologist for being non-compliant, for using cannabis oils and not accepting his treatment plans. That led to me actually losing my insurance for an entire month. Uh, so doctors have not always been extremely receptive of the use of cannabis oils. But as they see the progress, as they see the pain medication go away, as they see actual eyes on visually see their patient do better, they can't help but to stop and start to embrace cannabis oil. So what I find is the more doctors I talk to, the more interested they get. But they've got to have a patient or a subject in front of them they can look at and say, wow, this guy's medical records show all these cancers and other diagnostics that are no longer there. And the only thing he's used was cannabis oil. And so are you considered cancer free? Yes. Today I'm in 100% remission of all cancers. Amazing. Now, arguably, one of the biggest challenges with cannabis as a cancer treatment right now, besides, of course, the lack of research, is that there's so little guidance around which cannabis products are actually effective and which is the right dose to ingest. So to learn more, we spoke with cannabis pioneer Mara Gordon, who's been making medical cannabis products for thousands of patients since 2010. Mara, how did you get into making cannabis products specifically for cancer? Well, interestingly, I was initially focused on making products for uh, what I call diseases of aging, which are, you know, basically inflammatory diseases, pain, sleep, the sorts of, of maladies that we all tend to suffer as we get older. Then about six months into it, a gentleman came to me with prostate cancer, and he said he was interested in using cannabis to try to fight his cancer. However, he wasn't interested in using some of these, you know, low quality extracts that you would have to take too much. There was no way to measure them. And he was wondering if I was able to help him. Uh, after much consideration, I said yes. And then a very, very short time later, I think it was less than two months, I said, six-year-old little girl with brain tumor, stage four. She had a glioblastoma multiforme. She came to us and her parents, you know, were like, please, can you make it? And that's when we started making extract for the first time instead of just doing infusions. And then it just snowballed and people talk in waiting rooms. And before you knew it, we were really focused on making these medicines and treating these patients. Cancer has personal importance to me because so many of my own family members and loved Loved ones have died from cancer. And how many patients have you worked with to date when it comes to cannabis treatments? Gosh, there's got to be an excess of 10,000. Amazing. And can you, just because I think that one of the biggest confusion points for people is this realm of what products are actually designed for cancer, or, or I should say are effective for cancer. And so when you talk specifically about cannabis products for cancer, what does that really mean? You know, that's a really good question, Max, because one of the things that frustrates me is I'll just, I'm going to take you for an example. I'll hand somebody our topical or they'll ask me about my topical and they'll say, well, what's this for? And I'm like, well, anywhere you have skin. So if you think about the products that are being made out there, the naming nomenclature on the products are marketing terms. 
because unless they are describing the profile of the actual chemical compounds within the medicine, they're not giving you really good information. Um, so when I talk about a product that's designed to treat cancer, I would say it's a product that's very well understood, lab tested, clean. You're going to have one that's going to have a high THC dominant concentration and one that's going to have a high CBD concentration. But all of the products are going to be full spectrum. They're going to have within them all of the components that are native within the flower themselves. And I think that one of the things that you've learned after gathering all this data is that all of those components are actually quite important to the effectiveness of these treatments. Well, 100%. I mean, so far, all we've got is preclinical evidence to prove this out. However, the studies that we've done that we've published on uh, with the assistance of Dr. Christina Sanchez, Dr. Manuel Guzman in their lab in, in Spain is looking at the full spectrum oil extract, comparing it to the single molecules of THC, and then also even taking THC as a single molecule and adding in the top five terpenes that were present in the full spectrum. And in comparison, the THC that has the five terpenes added to it worked almost as well as the placebo, <laughs> as the vehicle. So there's something that happens when you have the full plant and the full spectrum that you just don't get when you're only working with the single molecule. And it's one of the reasons that I am such a proponent of full plant extracts instead of these mass produced, you know, blown apart, and then they add back in terpenes. I, I feel like I should just ask you to clarify for the listeners because the term keeps coming up, what full spectrum is and what difference you're talking about between that and the other products that exist out there. When I speak about full spectrum, I mean when we manufacture the oil, whether it's in, the, in an infusion or an extraction, whether we're infusing it into olive oil or extracting it into a concentrate, we are maintaining as closely as possible the profile of the medicine that we end up with to be as close to the profile of that medicine as it was when it was in its raw flower form. We don't separate out all the components and then put that them back together. We keep them together throughout the process. Because that's what you're seeing so often these days is that the methodology behind how people are creating products is separating and recombining. 100%. And we are not fans of that, even remotely. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, if you're if you're a really healthy person and you just have this one little problem that you need a little bit of an anti-inflammatory or whatever, these products, these over-the-counter type products, which is how I view them is over-the-counter products um, that are these mass-produced where they pull it apart and yank it back together, who knows how much they're leaving out. And reality is we don't have enough evidence out there to know what can and cannot be left out. What is the key log? So those products are fine for the average person who's basically healthy. But if you're treating somebody who's got cancer, I think I had a, a quote uh, on, a, on a presentation I gave one time over at Stanford on the entourage effect. And I, there was a quote that said, if you're going to war, why wouldn't you bring the army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines? Why would you just bring one one?" part of the military. And if we use that to compare to what I'm talking here, it's the same thing. 
So I think one of the big arguments that people have, and I think it's understandable to have also the fear around it is you're diagnosed with cancer, which is obviously a scary thing. You're then also prescribed the likely options of chemotherapy and radiation and different kind of treatments like that. And then there's this concept of cannabinoid therapy, taking this plant that is not particularly well studied from a clinical trial standpoint, and in often cases taking very high doses of it. And so how as a product maker and somebody who's dealt with all these patients, how do you make people feel more at ease with the uncertainty factor that seems to surround all of this? Well, one of the things that we look at when we first start collecting our data around a patient is their, number one, their objective with using cannabis, because it is not up to us to decide how they use it. If somebody is going through traditional chemotherapy and radiation or any kind of other immunotherapies, et cetera, and but immunotherapies, let me put that on the side burner because those have to be treated very, very differently with cannabis on the timing. But let's say they're going through traditional chemo radiation. If they come to us and they say, I just want to use this for the side effects, then we are going to help them to get to a titrated therapeutic dose that is going to allow them to be out of pain, maybe sleep, maybe not have nausea, that sort of thing. And that's a very different protocol than what it's going to be if they come to us and say, I want to get rid of this cancer. I want to take as much cannabis as I have to do. I'm going to do that. And then and that's a that's a different dosing protocol. So we meet the patient where they are. Frequently what happens is somebody initially will come to us saying they just want to deal with the side effects. And then they start seeing, lo and behold, wow, the doctor can't believe how the tumors are shrinking or how much better my numbers are. And, you know, what would happen if we increased the cannabis? Right, and, and then like, they well, start to go a little more ambitious. Exactly. And then we allow the evidence of how it's working within their own body be the best seller that, you know, nobody can sell better than evidence. Right. Right. And I think one of the big question marks that everybody always has about this when they think about cancer treatments and then higher protocols of dosing is, well, does that just mean that you know, I'm going to get unbelievably high and be incapacitated all the time? And I think that this is so important to help people understand. So how, how do you make people feel safe when they get when you get that question? Well, there's a couple of different ways of approaching it. If you have somebody who comes to us and, you know, it's a family member, we're going to have to try and, you know, navigate the whole thing through a family member where there's not the direct communication with the patient necessarily. Um, we have to help them to understand that they're going to titrate very, very slowly. And they're going to get to a point to where you start out very slow, very low dose. You increase it very slowly until you get to where you don't feel anything from it. Then you increase to the next level, the next level, the next level, until you get to the point where you no longer can acclimate. And then we have them back off to where they were previously. And we help them with that. So there is not this need. It's not like, oh, if you're going to take, you know, let's say our, um, our doctor recommends, one of our doctors recommends that you take 100 milligrams of THC and 100 milligrams of CBD. You do not start out at 100. If you are cannabis naive, you might start out at a third of a milligram or one milligram. 
Now, if somebody comes to us and they said, I just got back from the doctor and he said, I've got, you know, six months to live, um, just, you know, throw it all at me. We're going to titrate them much more quickly because frankly, at that point, their hair's on fire and they have no other option. And I would love to hear from you because I think that the stories themselves are so shocking. What are some of your favorite cases of people who came to you with cancer and went through cannabinoid therapy? Well, one of my favorite stories is a little girl who came to us back in, I think it was 2013 or 14. I'd have to go back and look at my records. And at the time she was about two and a half years old and she had a, uh, uh, astrocytoma and was in hospice. And her mother came to me, uh, saying, we just want to get her out of pain. She's hitting her head against the wall, beating it, trying to get the pain away. I mean, you know, a child doesn't understand what's going on. And, um, we, so we started giving her, uh, the cannabis right away to help her with the pain. And when the child went into the doctor with the mother next, they said something's going on and the tumor is shrinking. And this was a child who, the, the doctors had said there's no point in doing any chemotherapy or radiation because it's too far gone. She's just going to die. And they said, you know what? With what we're seeing, now it's safe to go ahead and give her this other treatment. Well, that child is now in school. She's been in remission all these years. She has a cute little brother that she's getting a chance to grow up with, and she's living happily ever after. She's still on cannabis, but she's going to school every day, and she's fine. That's the one. Another really great story is of a little boy who was about to start chemotherapy, uh, for a recurrence of, uh, he had hepatic carcinoma, liver cancer. He had had a liver transplant and, uh, which we had told the mother, you're not going to be able to get rid of the cancer just by transplanting the organ, but you know, people do what they're going to do. It came back in his lungs. They were going to start chemotherapy and the mother came to me and said, now we're ready to try cannabis. For whatever reason, there was a three-week delay in starting the chemo. So we had this time period where he was on the cannabis. Well, anyone that's gone through chemo knows that they, they always do blood work to make sure that you're, I know it sounds crazy, make sure you're healthy enough before they poison you um, to start the chemotherapy. And so in his case, they did that. And the doctor went, wait a minute, his liver numbers are normal. What's going on here? We're not starting chemotherapy and I'm going to take a look and we're just going to take a wait and see attitude. And so it also educated the doctor. So the doctor became more open-minded to the possibilities of cannabinoids being incorporated into other patients' protocols as well. So amazing, Mara. Now, before we all start believing that cannabis is the undisputed cure for cancer, it's important to also understand what the science currently says and what's really out there still to be discovered when it comes to cannabis for cancer treatments. To learn more, we spoke with Dr. Donald Abrams, who's considered by many to be one of the world's leading physicians on cannabis and cancer. Dr. Abrams is the chief of the Hermitology Oncology Division at San Francisco General Hospital and is a professor of clinical medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Abrams is widely considered one of the strongest proponents on using medical cannabis for cancer patients, but as you'll find out in a sec, he's not a proponent for cannabis as a cancer treatment. 
So Dr. Abrams, can you share with us why you've taken such a keen interest in cannabinoids for cancer? Well, that's a good question. I've been an oncologist in San Francisco for 36 years now, and I venture to say that we are on the left coast and we have different attitudes and and policies. And probably most of the patients that I've cared for over the past 36 years with cancer have had some experience with cannabis. And I've been impressed with the ability of the plant to modulate some of the adverse effects of the patient's cancer itself, as well as the treatments that we prescribe. And I'm just curious, you know, if you were to think about how many people around the country are getting cancer, what percentage of them do you think are asking their doctors about cannabis? Well, actually, there was a study of 400 oncologists who were surveyed by Ilana Braun from Harvard, and she reported that 80% of oncologists said that they have discussions with their patients about cannabis. Uh, 78% said that patients initiated the conversation. Amazing. Uh, It kind of blows your mind a little, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. 50% said that they recommend cannabis, but only 30% felt that they knew enough about it to make any real recommendations to their patients. How does that make you feel when you hear those numbers? Well, you know, I just wrote a piece for a palliative care journal entitled, Should Oncologists Recommend Cannabis? And my bottom line was that this is an intervention that I don't think requires a package insert. Meaning, you know, it's not that complicated. And I think most people will be able to figure out by themselves how to use cannabis to their benefit. Well, and it seems like there's two almost distinctly different but complementary approaches when it comes to cannabis and cancer. There's treating the symptoms of cancer treatments or just, you know, the feeling that you get from being sick. And that's one pathway. And then there's the pathway of really trying to attack the cancer with, you know, heavy doses of cannabis. And so do you have a a strong feeling based on your research and study at this point about which one or both of them is effective or not effective to date? Yeah, there's no evidence that cannabis has activity against cancer itself, except in the test tube. I was one of the members of the National Academies of Science, Engineering and Medicine Committee that reviewed uh, 25 years of research on the health effects of cannabis and cannabinoids. And we had to veer from our charge, which was to only include meta-analyses and clinical trials in humans to add something about cannabis and cancer, because there are no studies published in the medical literature that look at the effects of cannabis or cannabinoids on people with cancer. All the data comes from in vitro research, which actually started at our own National Cancer Institute in 1975. But much of that research has moved off the coast to Spain and Italy, where investigators, particularly working with brain tumor cells, find that when they add laboratory cannabinoids to these cells from rats and mice growing in culture, that they could directly inhibit the brain tumor cells without affecting normal brain. But unfortunately, that has not translated into any benefit or evidence in humans. Anyway, I'm, I'm a big fan of cannabis for symptom management in cancer patients. I have yet to see any patient with cancer who has not been treated with conventional therapies benefit from using cannabis as an anti-cancer agent. In fact, quite the opposite. I see many patients who have waited six months to come see me in clinic who have been treating a potentially curable cancer with highly concentrated CBD or THC oils or tinctures who now have metastatic disease and can't be cured. Mm, That's a sad story. 
And and so I hear your point about the fact that there's no clinical evidence about cannabinoids on cancer, um, and yet there are quite a bit of stories of people who have seemingly decided to take um, cannabinoid therapy for cancer treatment seriously and seem to have pretty profound results. And so how do you as a medical professional react to that? Yeah, we always say the plural of anecdote is not evidence. And most of my patients who are out there claiming that cannabis cured their cancer seem to forget that they also got surgery and chemotherapy. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you're saying that cannabis with other Western treatments seems to be the most effective and and the flip side, just cannabis alone doesn't seem to have any clinical evidence that that is effective for curing cancers. Oh, totally. Absolutely. There's no evidence that cannabis cures cancer. And what is it that most people are asking you about when it comes to cannabis and cancer? Are they thinking of it like a treatment to help cure the disease or are they just looking for some symptomatic relief? Yeah. I mean, you know, it could all be that I only attract people who know my opinion and my feelings. There are patients that I see who have spent 6000 or $7,000 a month paying for a highly concentrated cannabis product from one of these people that's willing to take advantage of desperate people and think that they can cure cancer with a cannabis product. But I mainly see people who are asking me, what is the ratio of THC to CBD that they should take for their pain, their nausea, their anxiety, their appetite, or their sleep? And again, that's something for which there is no answer either because there's no research out there that's looked at any, I mean, I just submitted a paper in patients with sickle cell disease where we looked at 5% THC, 5% CBD vaporized cannabis. And when I applied to do that study, the Food and Drug Administration said that CBD was an NME, a novel molecular entity that had not yet been studied in humans. So they put a hold on my ability to progress until I proved to them that CBD inhaled was likely going to be safe. So the only literature out there on a product that contains CBD comes from the drug Nabixamol's brand name is Sativex, which is licensed and approved in Canada, uh, the United Kingdom and Europe for the treatment of spasticity in patients with multiple sclerosis. This is a whole plant extract with a one to one ratio of THC to CBD that's taken as an under the tongue spray. And that's the only data we have on any ratio of THC to CBD. What you're saying is that there's, you know, very little clinical evidence to support the value of cannabinoids as a cancer treatment. And yet at the same time, I hear you saying pretty enthusiastically that you're a huge proponent of cannabis for cancer patients. And so in your mind, is it really predominantly because it's kind of improving quality of life and helping people in that part of the healing process? Totally. I mean, the Israelis have collected data on 2,000 cancer patients who have cannabis licenses in Israel, clearly demonstrating many quality of life related benefits in those who are using cannabis. 
My other concern, by the way, about people using a highly concentrated CBD, particularly in association with uh, cancer treatment, conventional cancer treatment, is that CBD works in the liver to block the enzymes which break down some pharmaceutical substances so that you could actually develop a higher level of prescribed medications, which could lead to increased toxicity, certainly if they're anti-cancer drugs, that would be a concern. You know, we just don't know enough about these highly concentrated agents that people are touting have anti-cancer activity uh, to appreciate whether or not they're safe, uh, let alone effective. So do you, I guess uh, this is a final question, do you feel conclusive that cannabinoids don't have an impact on killing cancers or that's still just an unknown? I would give you the benefit of the doubt and say that it's still unknown at this point. This is a really fascinating conversation. I appreciate you coming on to share. So what did we learn today? Well, it feels pretty conclusive that everyone agrees that cannabis is a really important medicine when it comes to helping people cope with cancer. That could be for pain or sleep or mood or just better quality of life. Cannabis truly seems to be universally celebrated as a safe and effective tool for people going through cancer. We also learned that deciding to do a full-blown cannabis for cancer treatment protocol is available to you, but it's not going to be a nice, clean, well-laid-out path to follow. Thus, if you want to go down that direction, you'll want to work with specialists, and you'll want to really make sure that you have a certain amount of courage and direction that it's the path for you. And finally, we learned that science and research around cannabis as a cancer treatment is still largely inconclusive. And that if you're looking for clinical evidence on how cannabis can shrink or kill cancer cells, well, you're probably not going to find it yet. So ultimately, that's why we need to move this substance off the Schedule 1 list so that more research and analytics can be done. So now, let's turn the episode to you, our Greenflower Nation listeners, to better understand the impact cannabis has had on your life or the people around you. So head on over to green-flower.com forward slash nation to share your story, plus get some valuable additional tools to help you on your cannabis journey. And if you like this episode, please rate it, share it, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. And seriously, rating goes a very long way to help more people discover the show, so thanks for giving us a five-star rating. And make sure to tune in next week as we continue to explore the impact cannabis is having on our society today.